Welcome to episode nine of the Dynasty Dreamers podcast. I'm your host, Joe Galloway. I'm joined as always by Luigi Federico. Good afternoon, everyone. Collectively, we are the Dynasty Dreamers. We go to bed thinking about Dynasty. We dream about Dynasty. We wake up thinking about Dynasty. You get the picture. Ladies and gentlemen, we're available on Spotify and Apple Apple Podcasts in addition to YouTube. On today's show, we're going to be discussing rookie landing spots. What else would we be discussing right now, right? Uh, As we're recording this show, the NFL draft is in its late stages. Uh, I think we're in the late fifth round. Is that right? Yeah, yeah, the fifth round just ended, actually, so beginning of the sixth round. Everybody in the Dynasty community is busy making their final opinions about this rookie class before the draft start in the next week or two. Uh, We're just going to share some of our opinions here and there. Uh, Also, today, we have a very special guest with us on the show. My son, Bryce Galloway, came to town this weekend to watch the draft with us. How's it going, y'all? He's a rookie this year himself. Uh, he, he has picked up two orphan teams in leagues that I'm in. I thought it would be interesting to get a contrasting viewpoint from someone who's just starting this dynasty game of, game of ours. Uh, Luigi and I, uh, we've been doing this for half a decade now, so sometimes we can get a little bit set in our ways, I would say. I, I know I can, and I, I think Luigi would say the same thing. Definitely. I'm thinking that by bringing Bryce on today, he can inject a new point of view or two here or there. And uh, all right, with that being so, said, with the first pick in the 2023 NFL Draft, the Carolina Panthers, my Carolina Panthers, selected Bryce Young, quarterback out of Alabama. Luigi and I have kind of discussed Bryce Young in length one or two times on the show, so I'm going to kick it over to Bryce first and uh, see what see what he thinks about this pick. I love the pick. Uh, we have a good enough team around him right now. Uh, probably better than Cam Newton ever had on offense. So I, I obviously love the pick. I was on C.J. Stroud for a while, uh, really up until the last week before the draft draft came around. Whenever they were started to talk about uh, C.J. Stroud's cognitive tests, but uh, as I said many times, Bryce Young was always my. If we don't take Stroud, I'd be really happy to get Bryce Young. And so I've always been happy with Bryce Young. And Luigi, Bryce, I just can't see how anybody could take anyone other than this guy as their QB1 in rookie drafts at this point. Uh, my only worry is what what is his actual ceiling in the NFL? I, I personally believe that Stroud has a higher ceiling and a safer floor. So I definitely am – going to struggle between taking Stroud or Bryce Young. But, I mean, when you have one or one of those guys on, on the board and you're able to take one of them, I mean, I think that's um, a good problem to have on which one you're going to be taking. Because I think both of them are going to be good quarterbacks for fantasy purposes. I just think Stroud's ceiling is a little bit higher. Uh, I, I've liked Stroud throughout this whole process, and I and I still had him going to Tex- the Texans in the end. And I'm happy that they took him. I think it was the right pick for them, as we'll get into in a minute here. But I actually think Bryce Young definitely has the safer floor of the two of them. Maybe I'm biased, but I think that the franchise he landed with is a much better franchise than the Texans. And I think that over the course of the next few years, they will provide him with more talent. I feel like that I'm not saying that they have a better coach than the Texans, because I do really like D'Amico Ryan's. 
But I think for the purpose of developing a young quarterback, I think he's definitely has a better situation as far as that goes. So that's kind of why I believe that Bryce Young has the, the, the safer floor. As far as the upside goes, I, I think they're, they have similar upsides in my opinion. I, I just think they're the two safest quarterbacks in the draft by far. And I think that Bryce Young's floor and ceiling are better than Shroud's unless you account for injuries with his size. Uh, on the field, I think Bryce Young is definitely the better player. You just have the what if with this uh, injury. And this, the size is something that was probably the reason why I liked Stroud more than Young up until about a week ago. But the fact of the matter is the guy's never been hurt. And may, maybe he it starts in the NFL when these full-grown men start t- taking him to the ground. But uh, I just kind of I kind of don't think it's going to be an issue, to be honest with you. I think he's smart enough to get out of most of those hits. I think he's very Russell Wilson in that regard, and uh, we'll see. Uh, let's move on to Mr. Stroud. Uh, I'll start off here. Like I said, I've loved him from the start. He was my QB1 up until about a week ago. He's remained my QB2 in all our little fun mock drafts we did right before the draft. I had him going to the Texans in this spot. Never bought into the Will Levis is going to go to the Texans or anywhere before C.J. Stroud. Uh, I think, as we said, he's a very safe uh, pick. Uh, I like what the Texans are doing in some regards with, you know, moving up. I didn't really like the move up, but you can't argue with them picking up Will Anderson. I'm just a little worried at this point that the – direction of that team is going to be the defensive side of the ball, which I think could hamper yeah, I mean, C.J. Like I said, uh, the two are pretty, uh, as our co-host likes to use, Ryan uses the word interchangeable a lot. I think the two are pretty interchangeable, uh, being Bryce Young and C.J. Stroud. I think Stroud probably has some better veteran weapons to help um, improve but that's not to say that Carolina can't add those weapons to the team. You think that Houston has better uh, veteran veteran weapons? weapons? Yeah. So Robert Woods over Adam Thielen? Yeah. Robert Woods is pretty equal in terms of veteran presence. Dalton Schultz is is better than anybody any any number two that you guys have in terms of veteran presence. Mm. I, I will say this: the offensive line for the Texans is really oh, stable. It's, so, that, yeah. so is ours. So yeah, I, I mean they're they're probably both top ten. Apples to apples, but. So let, let's talk about this Will Anderson trade that I that I uh, mentioned and, and how it, I feel like, affects C.J. Stroud. Yeah. So to me, even with Will Anderson Stroud, that's a top 10 pick next year that they traded away. Yeah. They could have been in the market for a guy like Marvin Harrison Jr. And now I don't see that they have a legitimate opportunity to get a big-time wide receiver at least a young big-time wide receiver anytime soon. Now, we weren't in that situation either, but we had to trade our big-time wide receiver to get Bryce Young. The Texans did not have to trade up to get Will Anderson, thus depriving C.J. Stroud of what I believe would have really helped him next year, and maybe not even next year. They could have stayed at 12 and taken Jackson Smith and Jigba. Yeah. So I really that's, – that's what I mean by – I think the direction of that team, in my opinion, is going to somewhat hinder uh, T.J. Stroud's development. Well, I guess they looked at their roster and, and saw uh, 
Dalton Schultz, you know, he's only on a one-year deal, obviously, but um, John Mechie, and they drafted Nathaniel Dell, who a lot of people had as being one of the, I don't want to say premier, but top wide receivers of of the class. Uh, you've also got Nico Collins, who a lot of people have a lot of faith in. So I, I think they looked at their wide receiver core and said, we don't necessarily need a high, high, flashy guy to help Stroud get from his rookie year to his sophomore year. It always helps. It does always help. But I definitely don't think that their wide receiver core is, is even bottom five in the league. There are a lot of teams that have a worse wide receiver core. I, 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 I don't know. We're going to move on. We have, have to look at that. Yeah, right. I would – I would tend to disagree with that, but for the sake of time, let's move on. But Luigi and I, and it sounds like Bryce is more on my side, we have very different views of that pass-catching group for the Houston Texans. And that's not to say I think the Panthers is that much better. I don't think the Panthers is I think they can both easily be bottom five. That's possible. Uh, So let's move on to the Indianapolis Colts, who took Anthony Richardson, the quarterback, out of Florida with their first pick. Luigi, let's get your thoughts on this first. I know a lot of people have Anthony Richardson as having the highest ceiling of the quarterbacks, and maybe he does. But I don't think his floor is safe enough to be able to even consider me taking him over Bryce Young or C.J. Stroud or B. John Robinson and maybe – at this point, even Jameer Gibbs. I, I haven't decided that point just yet. For me, I think it's a complete necessity pick for the Colts. If it was another team in this spot, I don't think he goes here. Uh, I don't know if there's another quarterback-needy team that would have considered him. It's just kind of a bad spot for the Colts to be in without being the only guy that you had a first-round grade on. So I've been off of Anthony Richardson pretty much ever since this started. have not been a fan of him. And I still wouldn't say that I'm a fan fan of his I still clearly have him in my mind behind Young and Stroud they're still one and two for me but I will say this is the one spot with Shane I'm going to butcher this Steichen is that Steichen. Steichen. Steichen with Shane Steichen this is the one spot where I think that Anthony Richardson really gains some some dynasty value in my opinion uh, Steichen has has proven down in Philadelphia that he can take a quarterback like Anthony Richardson, or at least it has some similarities to, to, to Jalen Hurts, and that he can take them from basically a guy that none of us liked two years ago, if we're being honest. There's a few people that did, but the majority of the dynasty community was not on Jalen Hurts. To take that guy from there to an almost MVP caliber player next year, last year, excuse me, I think that that gives Anthony Richardson some hope. And for that reason, he is probably the fourth guy in my rankings. Would I consider taking Jameer Gibbs on ahead of him in certain spots? We'll get to that later, but yes. Would I consider taking JSN ahead of him in certain spots? Yes, I would. Now, the one guy who he's not fighting with anymore, obviously, is Will Levis. Nobody's taking Will Levis over Anthony so let's Richardson. Let's move on to Mr. Robinson, if they were, shall we? Uh, there's not a lot to say here. He's been the 101 since the beginning of, of this process, probably since 2021. He's been the number one pick in this in this rookie draft. Uh, nothing has changed. He didn't get the best landing spot with the Falcons, I wouldn't say. I would have, you know, obviously preferred place like Buffalo or the, the Cowboys would have been really interesting. But got to be honest, 
The Falcons is probably like a top five landing spot, in my opinion. The Falcons is second for me. Second for you? Yeah. Uh, it is an up-and-coming offense. Uh, they do have some questions at the quarterback position, obviously. But now with Pitts and London and, and B. John Robinson, I mean, wow. Uh, this, this is going to be one of the top dynasty-relevant uh, NFL teams, I would say. And, uh, you know, t- please nobody come up with me. Tyler Algier is going to be an actual co- competition for this guy. He won't. I don't be- think so. But looking at what him and Cordero Patterson have done in that offense fantasy-wise the last couple of years, I think gives Bijan even more value than he already had. Well, the the, the theory of if, if Tyler Algier can put up 1,000 yards, what can Bijan do? Yeah, I'll buy into that. Uh, but I, I got a ton of offers for – Tyler Algier for my second or Tyler Algier for my my thirds before this draft started. And it wasn't because I thought they were going to take Bijan, but I just I just rejected all of those type trades. I never really thought he was going to be the guy. I knew Atlanta was going to draft running back this year. Didn't really think it was going to be Bijan, if I'm being perfectly honest with you. But uh, that's where we're at. Um, hate the fact that we're going to have to to worry about this guy for the next five to six years, probably in Carolina. Uh, I can't see. I'm trying to figure out where I am with this. Can you, if, if your team needs a quarterback badly and you cannot move the one one you can't get the value you're looking for. Would it be wrong to take Bryce Young? Yes. At this point. Yes. I think so. I think with what running backs have done on that team and what we already thought of Bijan, plus the draft capital that I don't think a lot of people saw coming, I don't think there's anybody. So most of us play in super flex leagues. Yeah. And you can play a running back in the super flex spot. While it's not the most ideal situation, I still think you take Bijan and play him in that super flex spot if you absolutely have to. If you're a team that's rebuilding, you take Bijan and you work it out at the beginning of the season. Because there are there are going to be running backs who get injured at early, early in the beginning of the season. And people are going to become desperate to trade for those running backs. And you've got the RB1 on your team. Well, I would not disagree with you on that point. And can you find a trade at some point? Probably. But if the league is already telling you that they're not willing, and, and I actually have a league like this where I, the guy that had the, the 101, uh, Dave Pilling, that we've referenced before on the show, he was not able to get that haul. Now, he, he did end up trading Bijan and got, I feel like, got good enough value for what he was trying to do. But there are some leagues that just aren't going to pay the piper. So if you can't find a trade during the draft, I'm not sure that you're going to be able to find a trade by the beginning of the season. That would be my argument. And- I, I think, and I think you will. And the reason I think you will is because people are looking at their rosters during the rookie drafts or before the rookie drafts. And they're saying, okay, I've got all of these guys that have a chance to become fantasy relevant on my team. When the season starts, 10 of those guys on the bench are going to be guys that you're willing to drop. Because they just don't, they're not high up on the depth chart anymore. They're, they get injured or, you know, they get released, you know, something like, like, like all of, all of these scenarios can happen up until the start of the season. You, you could look at your roster and say, I have so much depth. I don't want to 
to trade some of this depth for Bijan. And then all of a sudden, half your depth goes away and you're like, I'm stuck with Dalvin Cook as being my only running back because of the, you know, I had all this depth. I've got Kareem Hunt who could sign somewhere. I don't need to trade for Bijan. Kareem Hunt doesn't sign anywhere until the, you know, at the beginning of the season that I think that that's my only, my only thing is there's always going to be those teams that are like, I don't need this guy. I've got good enough running backs. And then they realize at the beginning of the season, I don't have any running backs. I think that in most cases you're probably right, but I'm not sure that it's all the time, but I guess let, let's, can we at least agree on this? And th- I'm not saying this is a reason to, 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 to take Bryce Young over um, Bijan. And I'm not, I should, Bryce Young or, or Stroud or Richardson, depending on how well you like them. I, but can we at least agree on this? Two to three years from now, if any of these three quarterbacks hit, they will be worth more than B. John Robinson. Definitely. And probably a decent amount more. Definitely. So if you're rebuilding, don't you have to consider that? You do. It's just the wrong, it's the wrong pick to take at this point in time. Even though three years from now, as much as I hate it, you don't know if that league is going to be around three years from now. Uh, yeah, yeah, I know, but you have to plan like I always plan like leagues are going to be around. Yeah, and I, and I try to. It just I'll give a, a small example. I actually was offered um, like like four firsts for Bijan in a league, but two of them were in twenty twenty five, and I'm thinking to myself, how do I know that this league will be around in twenty twenty five? So I. I didn't, I didn't want to accept that trade because even though that value in your head thinking four firsts, it's probably close to right. Yeah. In my mind, it was more like two firsts and two what ifs. I am very, very glad. I'm saying this honestly, that I am fortunate enough to not really be in this situation. The only share of the one-on-one I have is on a team that cl- just clearly needs Bijan. It made the playoffs last year. It has Burrow, Murray, and extra guys at quarterback. It's a clear Bijan team, right? No, no reason to consider young. I'm don't have any other shares of the one one And I'm happy for this reason because I might be that one guy out there who might actually take Bryce Young over Bijan on certain teams. I, I, I really might consider that. Let's so move on to what I consider to be the biggest surprise of the NFL draft. The Detroit Lions taking running back Jameer Gibbs from Alabama with the 12th overall pick. So, we were all watching the draft, and when it popped up on the screen, said the Detroit Lions are trading for the 12th overall pick. I think everybody in the in the room thought they might be trading up for Will Levis. This might be where Will Levis goes. And then it was Jameer Gibbs, and everybody was just kind of shocked for a minute because they had a pick in like eight more picks. I need to correct you on something. They didn't move up to this pick. They moved back. From six to twelve. You're right. You're right. Yeah. So when when they get on the clock, we yeah. everyone thought this could be Will Levis, and then they take Jameer Gibbs, and everybody's just kind of stunned for a second because they had a pick coming up at 18th overall, and mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure Jameer Gibbs probably falls to 18th overall. Probably falls to their pick in the second round. If we're being honest, well, Early so that would have been a gamble. Yeah, that would have been more a whole lot more of a gamble than falling to 18th overall. And there are plenty of players that they could have taken that they actually needed, like Roger Jones that went to the Packers or or the Steelers, I mean, or or some some other offensive lineman, which is a position of need that they needed. 
And then they took Jameer Gibbs. And at the time, they still had David Montgomery and DeAndre Swift. And now they just have David Montgomery because they traded DeAndre Swift. At the time, I thought to myself, this pretty well is probably going to drop Jameer Gibbs to the end of the first round for me. And then today, they traded DeAndre Swift. And now I'm back on the Jameer Gibbs train. And I personally have Jameer Gibbs probably even ahead of Anthony Richardson in my rankings. It's definitely been a roller coaster. I have a team where I'm hoping to take uh, Jameer Gibbs at five, or I was hoping. So then the landing spot killed him for me last night, a couple hours ago, get really excited again because all that value's there. And we've seen two running backs be successful there. Well, I, I want this show to be mostly about dynasty relevant values, but I have to comment for a second on this pick. <clears throat> So the Detroit Lions were one of the best offenses in the National Football League last year, right? And they were one of the worst what? Defenses. Defenses in the NFL last year. To me, and I do like uh, Dan Campbell. I love his personality, and and I I love the way he coaches football. But moves like this that they have traditionally made over the course of this franchise. A bad team stay bad. Entire existence is why they have continued to stay bad. It was not a position of need. They addressed that in free agency. Obviously, they loved Gibbs. I don't blame them for that. But when you have one of the worst defenses in the league and your running back position is settled, why are you reaching with the 12th overall pick to take a running back? To me, I I feel badly for you Lions fans. And I know that that after the Swift trade, I'm going to address this and say, after the Swift trade, us in the dynasty community, we're foaming at the mouth to get this guy right now, right? And, and rightfully so. But I don't think this is a good pick for the Detroit Lions. Yeah, and, you know, looking at, you know, obviously we want to keep this about Dynasty, but looking at all of the, the draft picks that have happened from Detroit, they make only two defensive picks in the first – in their first five picks. So three of their picks have been offense yeah. on a team that didn't really need the offense. Well, and, even, and, it, and it's not like they're picking offensive linemen, which is a desperate need for them. Right. They picked uh, the Lions. Is offensive line is pretty good. I yeah, think they, they have lost two starting tackles and potentially a top three center in the league. I think they lost a guard though, which is a position that they could have used. They need a guard more than a running back. Yeah, like, that's that's for, what I'm saying for sure. And not only and, and getting to this part of it, and for for the dynasty value for me, before I get there. Not only did they reach for this guy, but they sent they, they traded uh, DeAndre Swift away for a 2025 fourth and a move up in the seventh round. They basically gave him away for free. DeAndre Swift goes on cannot, the mirror a lot of what you guys already bad. said when he was drafted. Uh, even with the capital, which I love, obviously a running back at 12 overall is tremendous draft capital. But despite that, because of the situation with Montgomery and Swift still being there, I was like, where am I going to put this guy? And at that point in time, he was easily behind Richardson and JSN to me. Easily. Uh, But earlier this afternoon, when DeAndre Swift got traded for a bag of Doritos, uh, I I changed my mind on that. Uh, Gibbs is right there for the fourth spot to me. And honestly, in certain leagues – if you're at the three spot and you don't need a quarterback for any reason, I could see taking Jameer Gibbs over, uh, honest, honestly, even at the second pick. If you really don't need Bryce Young and you like to like 
running adding running backs to your team. Yeah, I'm not going to argue with you that that that's a perfectly reasonable pick with a, with that draft capital. And now that Swift is out of the out of the way, Jameer Gibbs could be an absolute star in this league. Well, imagine he replaces Jamal Williams for the goal line touches on that team. What that could do for his value, even yeah. if he doesn't replace him, but he. That that feels like it's going to be David Montgomery territory. I right? see. I disagree with that. I don't. I think the. I think it's more split down the middle as opposed to how it was last year. Like last year, it was like all Jamal Williams, and this yeah. year it feels like Swift is going to get a lot of. I mean, um, Gibbs is going to get a lot of what Swift was doing, and be able to take some of those goal line touches as well. Well, I mean that with what they spent to get him, that probably should be what happens. Right. So, okay, Bryce, we're heading all the way down to the twentieth overall selection. The Seattle Seahawks took the top wide receiver off the board with Jackson Smith and Jigba out of Ohio State. And what I find very interesting about this is what did we have? Four, five, six, six wide receivers off the board by the 20th pick last year. Is that correct? Yeah, there were a lot. That's for sure. Uh, even Dotson went before this. What, Dot- I think Dotson was the 24th or somewhere around there. I think he was like 15th, honestly, because I think Burks was – like seventeenth or eighteenth, but uh, either way, uh, Bryce, what do you what do you think about this pick by the Seahawks? Um, I love it. I think his value right now is going to be less than what it is going into the future. He has competition there right now. Lockett's going to fade out right now. He's going to take some touches from him, but he's just going to keep on gaining value with uh, Metcalf, and hopefully, after this Geno uh, couple of years, they get somebody in there to get the ball to both of them. I'm going to be honest with you. I don't hate this landing spot, but I don't love it either. I, I, there was other places I was hoping to go. The reason, only reason why I don't love it is because Metcalf is probably going to steal some from targets from him, and Smith and Jigba might steal some targets from Metcalf. But uh, I actually think this helps DK Metcalf, in my opinion. It's going to be a lot harder for for them to send that safety help. Uh, at him, and you know he's gonna he's gonna be one on one quite a bit more with Jackson Smith and Jigba in the fold. I think that's the guy who really wins from this selection. Uh, and Jigba drops a couple of spots to me. I had him ahead of Devonte Smith before the NFL draft. Devonte Smith is clearly ahead of him for me now since they're both twos on their team, and Devonte Smith's already shown that he has NFL level talent. And Smith and Jigba is still, as of this point, as much as we love him, he hasn't proved it yet. And we love Geno. I'm taking Jalen Hurts. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. That fantastic point as well. So uh, it wasn't a killer spot for Smith and Jigba. It's not like he went to the Ravens, for goodness sakes. But there were spots that I would have liked to see Smith and Jigba go. So over I'm not a huge fan of the landing spot here. either. The one thing I, I do think benefits – JSN is he gets to learn from someone who is very similar in his style of play when it comes to Tyler Tyler Lockett. Tyler Lockett's not the biggest guy. He he's probably a little bit faster than JSN, but he's shifty, and that's what JSN is known for is being very shifty. So he goes through a team with a veteran wide receiver who plays almost the exact same style in this in an offense that's already built for that style of a wide receiver. So while when the pick happened, I wasn't a huge fan of it. The more and more I think about it, I honestly can't think of a spot higher up that I, I like more. 
to be honest with you. I, I mean, can you name anybody in the top 20 picks that you like better for Jason to go to with, with a team that throws the ball? Both Tyler Lockett and DK Metcalf, I believe, had 85 receptions last year. I actually believe that Houston would have been a better spot. I, I thought that Houston should have stayed at 12. And maybe they didn't know that he was going to be there, or maybe they were just that sold on Will Anderson. Obviously, that was what it was. Is that because it's a C.J. Stroud-Jason connection, or because you think that that – A combination of both. Okay. It, I mean, we have recent history of top-tier quarterbacks gaining their – Caught one of their college wide receivers and it just working out tremendously well. Yep, I agree. So I'm kind of I'm kind of stuck on that right now. Uh, I think it would have been benef- very beneficial for Stroud's development, and I think that it would have equaled some big numbers for JSA, in my opinion. Okay, I mean, so automatically he's not splitting care- uh, touches with anybody. Yeah, I mean yeah. there's some some guys there, but nobody like DK or Lockett to take them away from him. Well, so Lockett's. Lockett is under contract for, I believe, the next three years. But after this year, is they're out. They go from owing him $50 million to only owing him $22 million or something like that. Like that, that big of an extreme difference if they were to cut him. So this feels like to me, like I said, JSA goes, learns from Lockett, and then Lockett's no longer on the team next year, and it's JSN and DK Metcalf. That, that's yeah. what this feels like to me. So – Besides Houston, I think this was probably the best landing spot for him. I really do. When it comes to development and future targets. I, I was hoping that a team would trade up to get him, unless it was Houston. I, yeah. I thought that was the best scenario for him. That obviously didn't happen. You you might be right. Looking at the list of the teams that were ahead of Seattle, that might have been the second best spot for him to land in. But I, I felt like maybe the Giants, like we've talked about before, or – I mean, honestly, at 20, why didn't the – I know that they the guys that run this team are a lot more intelligent than I am, but why wouldn't the Kansas City Chiefs be making a, a move up to get a guy like JSN? They, and maybe they weren't. Maybe they were trying to, but maybe every single player up to this point, every single team wanted that player so desperately. Kansas City was like, okay, let me try the next team. Yeah. No, we don't want to trade the pick. Okay, let me try the next team. And then when it got to, to Seattle, they were like, no, we're taking JSN. I don't care what you right. offer us. Right. Also, the Chiefs have proven he doesn't need anybody incredibly talented this year. He can make anybody work. You're you're right, but there's a big difference between what we've seen with other guys and like a guy like Tyree Kill. And I'm not suggesting that JSN is Tyree Kill, but you never know. Right? You can win Super Bowls with not Tyree Kill, keep your draft capital. But I just take guys help your defense. They're fixing out. to come into a situation where they're not going to have Travis Kelsey, and at that point in time, the the, the pass catching options on that team could become an issue, depending on who they get between now and then. So it's I, we like to think that Patrick Mahomes is invincible. He is not. He has always had top tier talent on that team. He has, and that is his safety net. He can afford to throw the overthrow a wide receiver by ten yards. Because that's what his wide receivers do. They run this way, and Travis Kelsey stands right there in front of him. And Travis Kelsey somehow can be double teamed or triple teamed and still find a way to get 15 yards out of it. Without Travis Kelsey, I do believe that their offense declines slightly, and they are going to need that guy that he can rely upon, and they don't have that guy now. They have time to get it. They do have time to get it. Kelsey has longer, though. (laughs) Watch Kelsey play. He never takes big hits. I think we've got – 
three, four, maybe five more years of Travis Kelsey. Even if he's that would not, be incredible. He'd be like forty years old. Yeah, yeah, yeah. close he, to forty. Yeah, he's, he's like 34. thirty-three. Yeah, oh, God. yeah. So <laughs> I, I think he has two to three years left. I think he doesn't have that much longer of being an elite production because That's the body slowly starts to decline. Yeah. I mean, there's, there's a, there's a, a definite drop off and that's why wide receivers, when they get to 30, 31, they go from being elite wide receivers to dropping off the face of the earth because your body gets to a certain point where you just can't do it anymore. And I'm afraid that that's right around the corner for Travis Kelsey. Yeah. We're going to bit off topic with the, the Kansas City Chiefs talks. But we'll I don't get... think so. This is very fantasy relevant. Sure. 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 Yeah. Uh, let's move on to the, back to the draft. Uh, the Los Angeles Chargers had the 21st overall pick, and they took uh, so wide receiver. I've had a love-hate relationship with Quentin Johnson over the last four to five months. Started out as love. Love the size. I'm a, I'm, I'm a big fan of big-body wide receivers. Loved the way he played, especially against Michigan in, in the national championship game. Uh, he, he, he didn't look very good against Georgia, but well, nobody on that team. They were horribly mismatched. Uh, he got to the combine and he wouldn't run the 40. And that's kind of whenever the hate started a little bit. Everything else was off the charts. Uh, the vertical, uh, the, the, his size, he measured in exactly where we thought he was going to measure in. But he wouldn't run the 40, which was very concerning to me. And then when we found out, he got to his pro day, we found out why. Because Apparently, he is a lot slower than we thought he was, at least on that pro day. Uh, also, we found out at the pro day that not, we didn't really find this out. This was always a thing. But whenever you're at your pro day and you drop several passes whenever nobody's, when nobody is trying to cover you, from yeah. catching the ball, <laughs> you have to really worry about even if you're a fan of the guy, and, and at one point in time, Luigi was be saying this, one point in time, a couple of months ago, him and JSN were right there for me. I, it was 1A and 1B. And what did I tell you? You told me that was wrong. <laughs> and, and, and that's and that's fine. You know, I, I, I've gotten, I got to that point after his pro day. <clears throat> but I got to be honest with you. The landing spot helps here for me and t- uh, quite a bit. I love Justin Herbert. Uh, Justin Herbert has been throwing the ball high to Mr. Williams for going on three years now. They've been very successful at that. Uh, Keenan Allen is probably on his way out this year. If I'm not mistaken, Mike Williams does not have much more longer on his contract either, does he? To, to me, this is just a great landing spot for Quentin Johnson. I don't have him with JSN anymore. I'm not going to say that. I will take JSN over him every single time. But he's in the mix for my wide receiver, too. Uh, I, I'm, I haven't fully decided if it's him or another guy yet. But he's right in, in the mix there for me for wide receiver, too. I do believe in his talent. Uh, I'm hoping that his 40 time and his pro day was more of an anomaly than anything else. I guess I'm more worried about the fact that he, he wasn't able to catch footballs at his pro day. But, uh, yeah, th- maybe this is a little bit of me just not being able to admit that I was wrong about a guy. But the Chargers like him, apparently. So, I don't know. What do you guys think? I definitely think uh, 
he's going to a situation where he has two guys ahead of him, but it's different from the Seahawks situation because both those guys missed significant time with injuries the last couple years. If he can stay healthy, he could be their number one receiver just because he's on the field. And with one of the better young quarterbacks in the league, I think he gives him a lot of extra value. And we know that he's going to be the guy after next year with Keenan Allen leaving. Well, and, and that's a good point. That's another di- the other, another difference is that Metcalf is with Seattle for the foreseeable future, and we don't know about these two guys with the Chargers. Uh, so, looking at the contracts of both Keenan Allen and Mike Williams, <clears throat> their out begins after the twenty twenty three season. So, after the twenty twenty three season is where their contracts could potentially end. Like you stated, Bryce, Mike Williams can't stay healthy. Keenan Allen's getting up there in age. Like Joe stated, he talked about um, QJ being right there with JSN a couple months ago, and I told him he was wrong. I love this landing spot for QJ. Mm -hmm. I think he could be paired with Justin Herbert for the very foreseeable future, and it, it, it made him my wide receiver too. I had him a lot lower than wide receiver too, um, I had a couple of the other wide receivers ahead of him, but with this landing spot, I don't see there. I don't think there's any reason why you don't consider taking him as your wide receiver too. The, it gives me a lot of confidence that the Chargers thought this is the future of the Justin Herbert's receiving core. Yep, and but, I agree with that. And that's and I mean Justin Herbert is in his fourth year, fifth year now. Mm-hmm. He could have QJ for the next five years, and if QJ can stay healthy and we all know what Justin Herbert can do. This could be a, this could be one of the better picks in the first round. Interestingly, too, this was the second of four straight after not having one taken at all. This was the second of four straight wide receiver picks in the NFL draft. And I know that a lot of people are going to tell me that this doesn't matter. And you know, you know sometimes I might agree with them, but the fact that this guy was the second pick of those four, I think, has to mean at least a little bit, right? I agree. I, I think I think the Chargers could have very easily looked at one of the other two wide receivers that um, are going to come off the board here shortly and said, we like these guys over QJ. But they saw what QJ did in, in college. They think he's going to work out very well with Justin Herbert. And I hope they're right because, like I said, I, I, I think this could be a monster uh, quarterback wide receiver tandem. Okay, so let's move on to a pick I am not nearly as excited about. With the 22nd overall pick, the pick right after Quentin Johnson, the Ravens took Zay Flowers. Zay Flowers going to the Ravens. Honestly, he's lost first-round value for me. I I don't think I would even consider taking him in the first round. I think there's just so many other players that went to better landing spots uh, for fantasy purposes that I will take in the first round over over Zay Flowers. And that's – sucks because whenever I was doing a mock pre-draft I was hoping that the Patriots would do something that they've just refused to do lately and and take a wide receiver and I didn't think JSN would be there so I really looked into a lot of tape of Zay Flowers and I you know no wide receiver is perfect there are a lot of things that Zay Flowers did that that wasn't great but there was a lot of things that he did that, that was good, and I really was hoping that the Patriots would take him. So I had a lot of faith in Zay Flowers until probably the worst landing spot for wide receivers took him. I definitely agree that's the worst spot, but 
for Zay Flowers, uh, he fits the best into what they could benefit from than anybody. Just because Lamar, the thing you can say about him from a passing uh, spot is he throws a good deep ball. And that's Zay Flowers' best attribute. So if anyone had to suffer uh, the Ravens landing spot, <laughs> it's best that it was Zay Flowers. I, I was I was going to say that exact same thing, Bryce. That's, it's crazy that you went there. I think for the Baltimore Ravens, this actually is an excellent pick. For the, for the Ravens organization, uh, if Lamar has a strength in the passing game, like you said, it is that he throws a pretty good deep ball. And I will say this too, even Zay Flowers is one of the faster, uh, shiftier dra- receivers in the draft. And Lamar won't be forced to make a lot of contested tight window throws with this guy, I don't think. I do think this is the perfect match for Lamar Jackson if there is such a thing, uh, because you guys know how I feel about his passing prowess. But I, I love this for the Baltimore Ravens. That being said, for di- for Dynasty's sake, and I'm not – as low on him as Luigi is. I, I do think this is one of the worst landing spots, but I still think because of the talent, he drops from being – I had him as my wide receiver three right before the NFL draft. I had him right in front of QJ. I think for me he's still the fourth. I, I, I think that I would still take him over anybody taken in the second round or later. I think he's my fourth wide receiver, but I just think that there's going to be three or four running backs that I would rather consider over him. Oh, see, I disagree. I, I think, and we'll get into this more as we go, but I think the running back landing spots are just atrocious for the most part. And I think Zay Flowers, to be relevant, needs one or two plays a game. And they've got guys there now with Mark Andrews and Odell. Well, what I'll say about that is, is I think to be relevant to the Ravens, he needs one or two plays a game. But unless they're absolute home runs, they don't really help you in fantasy football. So that's where my hangup is with him. But but for DaCosta and the Ravens and, and getting making the guy that you just had this very public disagreement with that you've now got back on on page with, giving him a weapon that I think that fits what they're trying to hopefully trying to do there, I, I do I do think it was a good pick for the Ravens. Just just not as sold on it in, in fantasy football. So Next up, we have the Minnesota Vikings taking Jordan Addison at wide receiver for the wide receiver from USC. Uh, I'll, I'll kick us off on this one. I think that the Vikings have been being talked about for taking a wide receiver possibly for for several weeks now, and we all thought everybody was like that would be such a Nice landing spot to be able to be opposite of, of Justin Jefferson, especially if it's someone with with talent. And Jordan Addison coming into this to the NFL draft was my wide receiver too. And honestly, I love this landing spot. So it's between him and QJ for for wide receiver two. And and because of QJ's deficiencies at his pro day, and just some of the the passes that he dropped throughout his career in college, I, I think I might be leaning more towards Jordan Addison, my my wide receiver two in this class. I, I I think you saw this with Calvin Ridley whenever he came to the Falcons, and Calvin Ridley is a good wide receiver. Don't get me wrong. I'm not saying the only reason why Calvin Ridley was successful is because he was playing opposite or or playing in the slot while uh, Ju- uh, Julio Jones was on that team. Perfect example though, Juju Smith Schuster. 
well, yes, but this guy actually has talent. <laughs> so, so I, <clears throat> I think that this is an ideal landing spot for a wide receiver. And, and I think, I don't think people should be moving Addison so I think, down. Uh, Addison's floor in this offense is higher than anyone other than maybe uh, Njigba's. So I don't think he quite has the ceiling that QJ could have in the Chargers offense, but you feel really, really safe with what Addison is going to do opposite of uh, Justin Jefferson. That's a really good point. Uh, he probably does have the safe, second safest floor amongst these guys. Yeah, and, and to credit – Bryce there, I really do think his ceiling is is very high because we know what a good enough wide receiver can do in this offense. If he is even close to what um, Adam Thielen is or was in that offense, I mean, then then he is a wide receiver too for for fantasy purposes. And that's just a floor, in my opinion. I, I think his ceiling very well could be right around wide receiver 15. I don't think he can get up there to be into a wide receiver one with Justin Jefferson being on the other side. And, and we TJ also, Hawkinson. that's what I was about to say, we haven't even talked about TJ Hawkinson. Yeah. So, I mean, I, there's two guys that are probably going to be ahead of him in terms of targets, but I think he has the ability to, to have the best uh, value in his targets. Let's go away from from the r- rookie, as the rookie, the Addison side of this for a second. How does this affect the rest of the guys on this team? I think Jefferson it was not affected. It's not going to affect Jefferson. It's not going to affect Hawkinson. I, I think it helps Hawkinson. I agree. I think he gets even he gets even more looks because of this. And I tell you, the guy who wins the most from this in in, in dynasty or in fantasy football in general, in my opinion, that's Kirk Cousins. Yeah. Look at all these weapons he's got now, and he's already one of the the most marginalized, uh, underrated players in. But fantasy football every year, in my opinion. Well, he's 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 that in regular football as well. Right. He is consistently what you would consider a QB one in fantasy, and he is consistently a top ten quarterback in terms of uh, completion percentage and, and and passing yards ever since Jefferson got there. And I think this is just going to add to that. That this is this is going to help him. This is going to help spread the offense a whole lot more. The quality of the targets are going to be even more insane now. I don't think the quality of targets can get that much better for Justin Jefferson because he's already one of the best wide receivers. Right. But I think this opens the offense better for Hawkinson, and I think it also helps Addison with the quality of his targets. And back to the Cousins point, uh, there wasn't a quarterback taken by the Vikings. He has one year left on his deal, but it seems he's like they've committed to going yeah. going forward with him. There is no chance that this team is going to be in the position to draft Caleb Williams no. or or Drake May, unless there is an injury to Kirk Cousins. And you think even if Kirk Cousins isn't the next guy the next five years, he's going to have the next two or three. Kirk Cousins will be with Minnesota Vikings as long as Kirk Cousins wants to be with Minnesota yep. Vikings. I agree. Firmly that. believe that at this point. You like that. I like that. <laughs> so let's move on to what might be the most exciting pick for me in this draft, for dynasty purposes at least. Let's talk about Dalton Kincaid, the tight end out of uh, Utah. Uh, Luigi, you're first up this time. I absolutely love this. Uh, I think this is probably the best landing spot that he could have gone to. And I know a lot of people are thinking it's probably Dallas was probably the best one. But I think this is even better for Dalton Kincaid because I don't think he's really going to be a tight end. I think he's going to be a slot wide receiver. Um, I think – the loser 
of this, of them drafting Dalton Kincaid, is Gabe Davis. I think this pretty much tells me that Gabe Davis is not going to be on the team. Oh. You've got got Shakir. You've got Stephon Diggs. Those are going to be your two wide receivers on the outside. The only thing I'd say about that is I don't think there's ever really a chance of Stephon Diggs living that team. But this is the third year in a row now that he's posted something on social media following the season, leading you to believe that he wanted off that team. He's a diva. He's yeah. gonna. He's gonna. Show, he's gonna want attention. He's gonna try and show everybody that he want, that he. But when when week one comes around, the first snap of the game, he's gonna he's gonna be there on the team playing. And, and and you know I agree with what you're saying, Luigi. But let's not forget he did already exit one team for the same type of reason. So it's not completely out of the realm of possibility. And teams, especially a guy like Sean McDermott, who's very no nonsense, hard nosed guy, I could see wanting to move on from the constant, you know, is he going to be there? Quit causing troubles in the locker room, kind of thing. I think the only difference is Josh Allen knows that this is his wide receiver one. When he was on the Vikings, nobody really knew is Adam Thielen the wide receiver one or is Stefan Diggs the wide receiver one? Josh Allen, like, acknowledges it. That's my guy. So he has the attention. He has the the princess status when it comes to Josh Allen. I don't think that that's going to change. So as far as the tight ends went in this uh, this rookie group of tight ends for Dynasty before Thursday night when the draft started, to me you had Kincaid and Mayer kind of there. And Washington even I kind of felt like could sneak in there. And if there was a surprise on draft night with Laporta or Musgrave, even one of those guys could have ended up being the the tight end one for me in Dynasty. It, this my tight end situ, tight end rankings was going to be very dependent more than any other position on what happened in this NFL draft. And the Buffalo Bills just gave me an, assurance, a, assurance, a resounding Dalton Kincaid is the tight end one. Nobody else is even in consideration for me at this point. And there are other guys that I like, and we'll get to that later. But I'm not taking any of these guys on the tight ends, too. And I'm not going to give the exact whereabouts of where I have Dalton Kincaid ranked because, after all, I'm fixing to do rookie drafts with with some of the people that are listening to the show. But uh, in tight end premium, I will consider – Dalton Kincaid is in consideration in that group of four wide receivers. Somewhere in that group of four wide receivers – I have Dalton Kincaid. I'm not just taking any of the first round wideouts over him. And I'll have to say, I don't think I would even consider a running back not named Bijan Robinson or Jameer Gibbs over him at this point. I, I just can't see that. Not with the, the landing spots that we've seen. And the first round draft capital. I think that you are correct. I don't, I don't think that I would take any anybody not named uh, Jimmy Gibbs or um, Bijan Robinson outside of the wide receivers and quarterbacks, especially in tight end premium. Oh, I, in tight end premium, I may even consider him over Jimmy Gibbs. Really? Yeah, I, I think that fascinating. I, I think he is that much value going to Buffalo. Uh, I mean, you've seen what. Dawson Knox did with all the touchdown passes that he catches. And I, 
I think Dalton Kincaid is far and away better than Dawson Knox. Well, wasn't Kincaid, correct me if I'm wrong, but wasn't he considered the best pass catcher of this group already? I think that went to Michael Meyer. Dalton Kincaid is a better route runner than Michael Meyer. Okay. Uh, When it comes to hands, period, that's Michael Meyer. But overall ability when it comes to being able to run a route, I think that's Don Kincaid. He he was a wide receiver, and like I said, I think he'll probably play slot wide receiver. I, I don't I don't really think he's gonna play the tight end position too much. I mean, I can see a lot of two tight end sets with this yes, team. Yes, a hundred percent. I feel like they've always tried to establish a running game, and they don't really have anybody there. But I feel like it's always gonna get there sometimes. Yes, and now you put Don Kincaid on one side and Dawson Knox on the other. You can have two blocking tight ends if you want to run the ball, but also you've got a slot wide receiver blocking for you. And let's be clear with tight ends, and I think everyone that's listening knows this, this may not be like the first year he's just going to blow up type thing. Right. Because tight ends usually don't do that. No, they don't. But I, I in two to three years, I see this being a very, very dynasty relevant pick right here. So let me ask you this question, Joe. <clears throat> yes. In terms of – Productivity for longevity. Do tight ends have more longevity than running backs? Well, if you consider it takes a couple of years for the tight ends to get going, and the running back's career usually ends several years earlier, I would say in the long term, you eventually get more productive years out of tight ends whenever they hit, but you probably most of them, you don't get the top end production that you get out of running backs. So I think that's why we value running backs more highly than tight ends and rightfully so. But if you're looking for, if you're a rebuilding team and you're looking for the guy who's going to to, to give you production several years down the road, I, I think I'm going with a top flight tight end over a lot of the running backs. What, what I mean, What's your opinion on that? Yeah, I agree. Um, I think that's one of the main reasons why in tight end premium, I would may consider taking Don Kincaid over Jameer Gibbs. I think the, the reason why I wouldn't is just from a value standpoint. I think that I would rather trade the pick where Jameer Gibbs is at before I sure. show Don Kincaid. Sure. I'm just, I, in my mind, I'm thinking I have two seconds left on the clock. I have to take one of the two. That's, that's what I'm saying. I've tried yeah. for however long, you know, eight hours to trade yeah. this pick. Nobody wants to come up and get it. I will say this. If DeAndre Swift had not got traded earlier today, then I would absolutely be on board with him yeah. on this. Uh, but I think things changed a little bit when that happened. Uh, so let's move on to the second round. And r- right off at the beginning of the second round, the second pick, the Tennessee Titans took a guy who some dumbass Reddit poster tried to get everyone to believe was going first overall to the Carolina Panthers a, a, a few days ago. Uh, thankfully, that didn't happen. Instead, he went second overall in the second round. <laughs> in the second round. Uh, to the Tennessee Titans, we had Will Levis, quarterback out of Kentucky, drafted. I actually uh, really love Bryce, the pick, what were your initial uh, thoughts on that? For the Titans, I think Will Levis has all the physical tools uh, that you could want out of a guy. There's some uh, questions about his decision-making and some other things going on. But getting a guy – second round when you thought you maybe had to trade up into the top three to get him is a big deal. I think eventually he's going to be the guy there. It could be worth a lot once they start rebuilding. I actually think that 
they would have rather traded into the end of the first round to get that fifth year option. But I'm not sure that a trade was available there because honestly, we had some bangers at the end of the first round. Well, rumors uh, after the dra- the first round of the draft were that Tennessee tried desperately to trade in like the final four or five picks of the yeah of the first round and just couldn't get anybody. And looking at the, honestly, the players taken. There's a reason why they couldn't get it done. Honestly, the only team that I think could have like afforded to do that was the Chiefs. I, I mean, Miles Murphy and Brian Greasy and Nolan Smith were the three picks right before the Chiefs. And even the Jags were the Anton Harrison. They needed a tackle. They needed a tackle yeah. really badly. So I, I, de- I definitely think the Titans were trying to get into the first round. I think yeah, it makes a lot of sense. But this is still a good move for them. I, I'm not completely Alan Levis. He was my QB three going into the process. I liked him more than, than Richardson. And the draft cap, obviously we know when a quarterback lands outside the first round, that generally means that, that the draft capital is not what you want for that position. Historically, it's been bad. It's harder to rely upon them. However, until recently, however, we're pretty sure that this team wanted to move into the first round to get this guy. So I'm taking that into consideration. And we've had at least one example of this working in the recent past with, uh, with uh, the Ravens moving into the back into the first round to try to get Lamar Jackson. That's the only one that comes to mind. Is this Jordan love? Well, that was not exactly the They didn't trade into, it was like 26. Yeah, they, they, tra- they, they traded. They were within the first round when they did it, though. Yeah, yeah, and that was really odd. And I don't at the time that was r- ridiculously odd. Uh, I don't think this one is. I, I think Tannehill's on the verge of giving that job up. He's probably got one year left, and if that team starts losing, Levis will be on the field almost immediately, in my opinion. Malik Willis sucks. Malik Willis is not a threat to Will Levis whatsoever. Uh, I, I feel almost as confident about that statement as anything I've said on the show in nine episodes. Uh, he's not a threat to him whatsoever. Will Levis is going to get the an opportunity here. And for dynasty purposes, I cannot say that I conclusively have him at the end of the first round just because of the draft capital. But I, I've a lot of people have been saying in group chats in the last 24 hours that Oh, he's definitely out of my first round. I don't feel that way. I, I think if you need a quarterback and you're rebuilding, if you want to take him somewhere between 109 and 110, I think that is completely reasonable. But I could also see him going, I think where he'll probably be more likely to land is somewhere in the early second round. And something I have to say, he doesn't have the capital uh, that Anthony Richardson has. And for me, that's still the only thing that separates them. I still think they took an offensive tackle uh, to help protect him in the future in the first round. He's going to have the opportunities, and I still believe in his ability to go out there and show that he's the guy. Yeah, and I said something about uh, on the, one of the last shows about starting to build around your quarterback before you even get them. I can't remember exactly who, we were, who or what we were talking about. I think we were about. talking about Ayers, uh, Houston, I mean. Maybe. Yeah, yes, we were talking about Houston. Yeah. And – you have, like Brian said, you have to love that they took Skronsky in the first round and still was able to, still were able to get Levis in the second. And yeah, he's got Burks. I still believe in Burks. I know the dynasty community is kind of wishy washy on Burks, but we're going to find out if, if either one of these guys are any good. I feel like, and, and a wide receiver who is underrated, who actually looked really good at the start of the season, who 
honestly, like when you look at uh, dynasty startups, he's pretty well going undrafted. But but Kyle Phillips was was doing pretty well for yeah. the Titans early on in the year. I'm, I don't think he's going to be close to Traylon Burks, but he looks like he could be a pretty good slot receiver. And, and slot receivers are pretty important when it comes to rookie quarterbacks because yeah. most of the time those are the guys that are open. The only the only issue that as I'm continuing to process it in my head, I, I can't. They don't have a veteran presence at wide receiver, really, do they? No, because they trade Robert, Ro- Woods. Robert Woods, Woods is, is no longer there. Yeah, yeah. They don't have a veteran presence at tight end. But there are guys on the market. Yeah. So the Titans can go out and, and add some guys, knowing now that they have him, knowing that they've got their their tackle of the future. I'm I'm assuming Skronsky's going to play left tackle. Yes. Got uh, to. He's there to replace Taylor Yeah. Yeah. So uh, even though it's, it was a disaster for Will Levis uh, personally, and I do watching him in the green room was was kind of it was upsetting. It was upsetting. Yeah, I mean, you got we we just think of these guys sometimes. I feel like we think of these guys as spoiled athletes, but it, they're humans. Definitely, you know, there's a lot of emotion when it comes to being drafted and yeah. being called to come to the NFL draft and having the camera yeah. in your face every five minutes. It that. Put, it weighs on you. Uh, imagine just like a cruel prank to yeah. him yeah. that this comes out like two days before the draft that he could be number one, and then you wait all the way through yeah. the first round to get taken. Imagine you're a parent, and I am, and your child is being told that there's a possibility that he's going to go with the first overall pick, and you sit through 31 picks on night one and his name isn't called. That would be absolutely heartbreaking. With the camera in your face. Yeah, yeah. It's not the first time we've seen this, but uh, it gets me every time, honestly. Yeah, you know, I don't think any of us are diehard Kentucky fans, but we do kind of root for him just because he's from here. Yeah, the 34th overall, the Detroit Lions took Sam Laporta tight end out of Iowa. Uh, Back to the Lions for just a second, and then I'm going to move on from this. I would have liked this pick a lot more if they just spent their first two their their two first round picks both on defense. I would have liked this pick a lot more. But being that they drafted a running back in the first round, I felt like they needed to help that terrible defense with this pick. But they did have a need at tight end. Uh Laporta was kind of thought of in that second tier of tight ends, I think, before the NFL draft, but the the Lions obviously thought that he was, uh, at the very least, they're tight end too. Who knows? They may have even liked him more than Kincaid. We just don't know. Uh, I said to all the, in all the group chats where I'm pretty active, I said as early as a week ago that all these tight ends were going to be, my rankings after the full draft were going to be very determined about where they ended up. Determined. <laughs> just made a word up there. <laughs> Determinated. Determinated. Uh, so, with that being said, I I have Laporta with another tight end that we're going to talk about in competition for my wide uh, tight end two spot. Uh, I, I, I I'll be honest with you, I don't know a great deal about Laporta, but the draft capital here is the reason why he's going to be at least in the conversation with. Uh, Michael Mayer as my tight end too. Yeah, I don't want to give away too many uh, position rankings, but I, I I do I will say I, I still have Mayer over Laporta. I just think Mayer's talent 
is going to prevail over um, an equal landing spot, in my opinion, because Jimmy G does love his tight ends. Um, it's yeah. Josh McDaniels, who is well known for liking to throw to his tight ends. Yeah. And uh, and while I do think that Laporta probably goes to a more explosive offense, like I said, I just think Mayer is, is the better talent. Um, I've thought that for last three years uh, since he was a, a freshman at Notre Dame. Um, he's just he's he would have been a better fit in Detroit probably because he's more explosive, but obviously the Lions know something that I don't. But I'm still going to stick with with Mayer being over uh, Laporta. I I have no issues with Laporta. I think he's probably my tight end three before the draft. I like you said it was all determined by what uh, <laughs> by where they all landed. Um, and now looking at the landing spots, it, it's hard not to have him at, as your tight end two or tight end three. Well, let me ask you this. Uh, do you feel the same way? And I've always liked this guy. I've always drafted him very highly in startups. Do you feel like even as good as he was that Detroit kind of always limited TJ Hawkinson to a degree in, in, in that passing game? Because I, I feel like what we saw almost immediately when he was traded is that whenever he is used in the correct way, that he can just be an absolute force on the field. But is, is that because of Justin Jefferson? I think a lot of it has to do with, with the offense because you had Adam Thielen, you had yeah. Justin Jefferson, but you, and you also had to account for Dalvin Cook coming out of the backfield. And, and most of the time in Detroit, you really didn't have DeAndre Swift. You had Jamal Williams – a lot of the time, but Jamal Williams isn't that well known to being a receiving back. So you had to account for all, you have to account for all of these receivers in Minnesota that you didn't have to account for in Detroit. But even last, even with Detroit before Hawkinson got traded last year, they had a very good offense and were throwing the ball around and it just didn't, it seemed like Hawkinson was getting some of it, but they were much more likely to throw the ball to Amon Ross St. Brown, which rightfully so because Amon Ross St. Brown is great. And, you know, I can't even think of the other guys that they had last year. It's, Josh it, Reynolds. I just don't like the Detroit Lions. But I'll answer that question for you. Whenever you looked at the Detroit Lions um, game film, going into halftime, they were probably down 20 points most of the yeah. time. You can't really throw the ball to your tight end for seven, eight yards. So you think game script, game, game script, hurts. game script hurts so badly because you're right. Hawkinson in the first half of the game probably had quite a few receptions. Yeah, and then right. in the second half of the game, when you're down 20 points, you've got to throw the ball down the field to Almond Russell and, and Josh Reynolds. With how they treat this draft though, it's not really looking like it's going to change. Yeah. I mean, Laporta might get some of the first round stuff and then be a nobody in the second half. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's quite possible. Yeah. The defense doesn't look like it, it's going to get very much better, but, but who knows? And, and and to credit the Lions, their defense in the second half of the year was so much better than it was in the first half of the year. But yeah. by that point, I, I feel like late. Hawkinson was already on the team, was only on the team for like two of those games. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, the very next pick, we got, we got three bangers here in a row in the second round going from Levis to Laporta and, with the 35th overall pick, the Las Vegas Raiders took Michael Mayer, tight end out of Notre Dame. Uh, we've already talked about Mayer. So, like I stated a few minutes ago, I, I have Michael Myers being my tight end, too. I just think the talent is there. I think the offense is 
that are built for throwing to tight ends with Jimmy G and, and um, Josh McDaniels. So I think he'll be the, the second best tight end of this group. And who knows? He very well could be the best. I would probably bet the mortgage on Dalton Kincaid being the better uh, fantasy tight end, but it very well easily could be Michael Meyer. Uh, I do have Mayer as my tight end two at this point, but Laporta is right on his tail. They both have basically even draft capital. Laporta even went a pick ahead of Mayer. Uh, I, I, I don't know if I like the landing spot better, but when guys two guys have equal draft capital and, and they've we've been told for months now that Mayer was the better prospect. Even years now. Yeah, it's kind of hard to to go away from that whenever they were picked within one pick of each other. Uh, I don't have a strong personal belief on any of these tight ends, you know? uh, So to me, I would still go with Mayer. I I think it settles. It speaks well for him that he's such a good blocker because it means he's going to be on the field. Like we've talked about before. Yeah. Especially with Jacobs. Right. Right. He would be my tight end too, but just about the slightest of margins right now. So we moved down to pick number 39, and with the 39th of our pick, our Carolina Panthers, Bryce, took Jonathan Mingo, wide receiver, out of Ole Miss. So, Luigi, we've, we've been through this rookie, going through this rookie draft process together for weeks, months now, and this is not a name that I remember being highly touted. We had guys like Hyatt and Tillman and... Uh, oh, the name of case Downs that were all being talked about much, much more than Mingle. Even guys like Marvin Mims, I feel like, was in the discussion more. Racy Rice was in the discussion more. I knew who Jonathan Mingo was, but until just a few days ago when I heard Steve Smith talking about Jonathan Mingo, I really didn't know a whole lot about him. But after hearing Steve Smith talk about him, and knowing that, that they have that connection with him. And, De- and Tepper basic, basically said that, Jeff, that Steve Smith made this pick for the Panthers. I don't know if you guys saw that, but that's more or less what he said uh, on the – what was it that we were watching, Bryce? The or, press or, conference or, afterwards. Not the press conference, where they actually called Jonathan Mingo. He, Jonathan uh, David Tepper actually told Jonathan Mingo that he had talked to Steve Smith an hour before they made that pick and asked Steve Smith – who they should take, and they and Steve Smith told them Jonathan Mingo. So, as a Panthers fan, yeah, I will take make that. Feel good. I will take that yeah. endorsement and run with it because you know who else that, that Steve Smith loved, and DJ Moore. And DJ Moore. Yeah. He loved DJ Moore. So another thing as well, uh, just talking about the process with that pick, there was a glowing review of a receiver uh, a couple days ago that Scott Fitter talked about. They had great conversations with and felt really strongly about. And apparently that was Jonathan Ningo. And I've loved everything we've done so far this offseason. So I'm not going to go away from it now. And on top of that, 6'2", 225 pounds, ran a sub 4440. That's what I'm talking about. That's the kind of guy, I don't know much about him, but those numbers just jump out at you. The reason you probably don't know a lot about him is the big knock on him is he didn't produce very well in college. He had one year where he had 800 yards, and that was about it. And kind of have to go with what his tools are and the conversations you've had with the guy over what's on the tape. So my only argument against that is 
he played in the SEC in one of the worst SEC schools when it comes to quarterbacks. Um, however, as an LSU fan, I watched multiple Ole Miss LSU games. He's a monster. And there's a reason why he went in the, in the beginning of the second round. He probably wasn't going to make it very much further. He is a great wide – I don't want to say great, but a great college wide receiver. He's the type of wide receiver you guys needed. And not that I put a whole lot of stock in this, but when this, when you're talking about your team, yeah, these are things that make you smile. One analyst during the draft uh, last night compared him to A.J. Brown. Yeah. And, and when I heard that, I was like, here we go. I don't know if he's going to be even close to A.J. Brown or even close to D.J. Brown. You know, whoever, DJ Moore, whoever, making up guys now. I don't know if he's going to be close to any of these guys, but when, whenever it, it feels, it feels hopeful to me. And from a dynasty standpoint, from a fantasy football standpoint, he was the fifth wide receiver taken. I'll tell you this: I love his landing spot a lot more than Zay Flowers. I'm not sure that I can put him ahead of Zay Flowers. I think that's a pretty bold leap, in my opinion. But I'm. He will be in consideration for me for the wide receiver five and four. Uh, love this pick for us and for what his dynasty value is going to be. This is the guy they chose to build Bryce Young's receiving core with. Uh, Adam Thielen, DJ Shark, they're there this year. They're not going to be there in the future. So this is the guy they feel like can be this number one weapon for us. I think that's a big deal moving forward when we put so much draft capital into Bryce Young. Yeah, and, and to touch on um, what Joe was talking about, um, he yeah, he's 6'2", 215, and, and I don't believe he ran the sub-440 like Joe said. I think it was more like a 445 or something like that. But still, that's good enough speed for a 6'2", 215-pound wide receiver. And he didn't have Bryce Young thrown to him in college. Now yeah. he's got Bryce Young. Yeah. Uh, I think he had, he had Matt Corral. He, but I'm pretty sure he missed half the year, uh, Matt Corral's last year. And last year he had Jackson Dart, who Jackson Dart. I mean, he's not he's not going to be a starter in the NFL. He's going from having not great quarterbacks to the number one overall pick. Uh, I I think this is a great pick for you guys in desperate need of wide receivers. I think he was clearly the best wide receiver left on the board, and I. Whenever the pick was made, I was not surprised in the slightest because, like I said, you need wide receivers, best wide receiver on the board. With the next pick that we're going to talk about, uh, the Green Bay Packers took Luke Musgrave, tight end out of Oregon State with the 42nd overall pick. So Luke Musgrave was in this cluster of five tight ends that, that most of us were considering to be big-time dynasty-relevant players going into this, I feel like. Uh I, I gotta say I, I love the landing spot to the to the Packers, but then later on last night, in the same night, the Packers decided to take another tight end in the third round with uh, Tucker Kraft, who was probably the really was considered the sixth of these tight ends, so also very highly rated. So I, I don't know how much I love this now because they you've seen this before with with. Gronkowski and Hernandez and Andrews and Hayden Hurst. A lot of these times, whenever this happens, when two guys get taken in the same draft or within a year or so of each other, uh, I know that Hurst and Andrews were definitely taking the same draft. We're 
Gonzalez and Hernandez taking the same draft. I believe they were. And Gronk right? and Hernandez. Yes, they were. Hernandez was like the third round and Gronk was in the fourth round. So you see this so much where you can't really accurately predict which guy it's going to be. In the case of Andrews, you had the fourth round tight end, I believe it was when Andrews taken. And Hayden Hurst was definitely a first rounder. First rounder, yeah. So I'm a little scared of putting too much uh, draft dynasty draft capital into either one of these guys at this point. And even the most recent one was Charlie Kalar and Isaiah Likely for the Ravens. Again, they, they took two tight ends in the same draft. When they already had Andrews. And and Kalar went first of the two, and Isaiah Likely showed some flashes of being the better tight end last year. Yeah. Something else is they ran two tight end sets in Green Bay a lot. We didn't really notice as fantasy guys because Mercedes Lewis did nothing but block. But it leads you to believe that these guys are going to be on the field and one of them is going to take over that spot for Robert Tunyon because they lost Tunyon and Lewis, who spent almost all of their offensive snaps on the field. I think they'll both be starters. I think they're both going to be on the field. But the problem is with both of them being on the field, you don't know which one of the two is going to be the one that is targeted. So you, you in best ball, these may be great picks. Yeah. But in normal Superflex tight end premium, I'm just going to stay away. I would rather take you know a tight end later on in the, in the second um Luke Shoemaker. I mean, they needed a tight end. They're probably not yeah. going to run with with Ferguson. So yeah, you know, I would rather take him over or over either one of them, even though the the, the draft capital is there for Musgrave, and I right. love. Am I going to take the, the Musgrave or Kraft, either one, over a guy that I had a little less rated, or even actually quite a bit less rated in Schoonmaker, whenever he lands in a much better situation for me in Dallas, and the draft capital is not even that. No, it's not that different. No, it's not. The, he was taking the second round just like Musgrave, or even you go down just a little bit further to Jacksonville. Well, they take Brenton Strange. Right. I mean, I know that they that they have their tight end that they value pretty heavily, but last year was the first year that he was able to stay on the field. Right. So you could easily take Brenton Strange in that in that area and, and and swing for the fences there as opposed to hoping that one of the two guys is the guy in Green Bay. Another thing in Jacksonville, uh, Evan Ingram still has yet to sign his franchise tag, if I'm correct. Exactly. So yeah. they probably replaced – Evan Ingram in their head. We've kind of touched on several tight ends all at once here. So we're going to skip these guys that we just talked about as we go down the list. But yeah, that's a very interesting point on Brenton Strange. Uh, Really makes me wonder why they didn't take a different tight end. So we're going to move on to another Green Bay player, this time a wide receiver. With the 50th overall pick, uh, the Packers took Jordan Jaden Reed, excuse me, wide receiver out of Michigan State. So a lot of people compare Jaden Reed to Zay Flowers. They say that uh, Jaden Reed is the quote-unquote Walmart brand uh, Zay Flowers, you know. He's a a six-foot, 200-pound wide receiver, I would say. Um, I think he measured just a little bit smaller than that. But he's a first-team All-American in in 2021. I don't think he's even close to the wide receiver that Christian Watson is. But I could easily see him slotting in as their wide receiver, too. Um, he didn't catch a ton of balls out of Michigan. Michigan didn't really throw the ball. Michigan State, excuse me, didn't really throw the ball that much. Um, they mostly ran the ball in terms of um, how they were able to establish their offense. It was mostly mostly in a running game with Kenneth Walker 
Um, I can't remember who the the running back that was there uh, just recently was, but he was more the guy that that quarterbacks would look to when they needed a you know third down and ten. We need to convert. We're looking Jaden Reed's way, and and I have to say, for most of the time, whenever they completed the pass, he went for for twenty five yards. He break away, you know, he he could break tackles, break away speed. So it doesn't surprise me as much that Green Bay went with this guy because of their desperate need of wide receivers, and he has that. I want to say that dog mentality. You know, I think uh, there is definitely a spot. Uh, to be had in that second receiver role for the Packers. Uh, it's going to be a big year of change for them. So could be a spot where you can really break in and maybe make a big change and a big difference in that offense. Yeah, I don't know a ton about Jane Reed. He was not on my radar as a top probably, I'm going to say probably 15 wide receiver whenever I was I was looking at guys before the draft. Uh, I do think there's an opportunity, like you guys have said. I have loved Jordan Love from the beginning. That's why I still have a 30% share stake in him. I, I do think he's going to do some positive things for that team. And uh, I think we could – I actually kind of bullish on him. I think we could have a star in the making uh, with, with Jordan Love. But, but we'll, we'll find out later in the year. So for that reason, I'm considering moving him up my board, which he was kind of non-existent going into the draft. But uh, it's going to be really hard for me for him to break into my top ten. Honestly, I'm looking at this guy probably more as a late second round guy. Yeah, I mean he he has to compete with with Watson and Romeo Dobbs. I mean it's I don't think he's going to necessarily be there to take either one of their spots, but. I definitely, he's definitely their wide receiver three, and and it doesn't, it wouldn't surprise me if he's uh, their punt returner. So he's going to be on the field. He he's going to be a producer in terms of uh, being on the field. Like I said, there, there there's nobody else that that they have that I would consider over Jaden Reed except for Dobbs and and uh, Christian Watson. So if you're needing somebody who you know is going to be on the field when healthy, then I think he probably does go middle second round. All right. So the next pick here to the Seattle Seahawks, 52nd overall, Zach Charbonnet running back from UCLA. And I think I can say collectively for the three of us and for pretty much the whole dynasty community, what the hell, Seattle? Oh, my God. I I know Pete Carroll loves his running back by committees, but you took – a guy who is very similar to Kenneth Walker. If you were to take somebody who we'll probably talk about a little bit later, but like Devonta Shane or Tajay Spears, that may be a little bit more understanding, but Zach Charbonnet, who is extremely similar style of play as Kenneth Walker. The only thing he does better than Kenneth Walker is, is catch the ball. And it may not even be that much better. Yeah. I think he was collectively everyone. I think the consensus was he was the running back three headed into the NFL draft. And, I'm not exactly sure where I have him in my rankings, but I can tell you right now it's not three. Uh, Can't be. And I, I've said this in a couple of group chats, and I think that I'm, most people are mostly disagreeing with me. I don't really think this hurts Kenneth Walker a whole lot. I don't, because I think that this guy is just, like you said, they're so similar. I think this is more of an insurance policy as it is for a guy to split carries with 
with Kenneth Walker, in my opinion. I mean, I think, I think Penny probably had more of a, of a vulture uh, ability than, yeah. than Zach Charbonnet is going to. So the fact that they drafted Charbonnet and got rid of Penny, I think that that's better for Walker. Like you said, I don't think it's going to affect him as much They They were always going to get a running back to, yeah. to back They They weren't just going to go into the season with, with Kenneth Walker as their only running back. We just didn't assume as dynasty players, that would be somebody with such a high growth from yeah. our, our community. So I, I, I definitely, that's, that's why I'm on the, on the train of, I really don't think you should drop Kenneth Walker out of your top five because of this reason. I, I really didn't. Don't. Yeah. yeah. I agree with you uh, about Kenneth Walker's value. Uh, but with Charbonnet, I think it's a trend in the NFL. There's going to be less and less workhorse guys and more of what you saw in Detroit last year, where there's a very big committee push because running back is the position that gets hurt the most. It is the position that retires the earliest. And the more guys you have to keep your real playmakers healthy, which might be Kenneth Walker, um, the longer you can use them. So I don't think it's going to hurt Kenneth Walker that much, but I do think he's going to steal more touches than you may think. Yeah, I hope you're wrong because I'm, I'm relying on Kenneth Walker this and a year. Lot of fifth overall yeah. pick. And with the 55th overall pick, the Kansas City Chiefs took Rishi Rice, wide receiver out of SMU. So we all knew – or we all figured that at some point in the first few rounds of this draft that Kansas City was going to take a wide receiver. We didn't know who it was going to be because we didn't figure it would be one of the top guys. But I think I can speak for all of us in saying that we all waited with great anticipation to see who this wide receiver that they were going to take was going to be. So let's start with you on this one, Luigi. Did this meet your expectations? I mean, I think any wide receiver that goes there is – they're automatically going to be in consideration for a first round pick. Right. I mean, you look at last year with Sky Moore. Yeah. Sky Moore was probably a better wide receiver in college than Rishi Rice, but he couldn't make the field last year. And uh, that's not saying that he won't make the field this year, because I think there is a slight possibility that he, with, with a year of being in the Kansas City offense, that he produces better. I think he was a fine wide receiver, but again, a lot of people were taking him at the end of the first round last year because he went to Kansas City. And I think we could see that potentially with Rishi Rice. Just because they're in Kansas City, it gives them the opportunity to be a first-round draft pick. I, I got to say, as far as Rishi Rice goes before the draft, I had him in this big lump of guys that were just – I was just kind of waiting to see Landing where they spot go. Dependent. Right. Mm-hmm. So you have to move – him up your board, right? Have I'm, to. I'm not even saying that he has to go in the first round, but you got to consider him. You got to consider him. You got to consider him. I think as early as the fourth wide receiver, you've got to start considering him. But I will say this: you've already you've already mentioned this, Luigi. Scott Moore needs to be a cautionary tale for any of us who are considering doing that. Yep. And I don't think I'll consider taking him in the top four for sure. Maybe. Him and Mingo and a couple other guys will be in that conversation for me at the wide receiver five, but I can't see taking him over Zay Flowers when before the draft we all had such a gap between what how we feel about these two guys. My only issue with Rishi Rice, he is slow. He's slow off the line, and he doesn't have the. He's only six one. It's not like yeah. he's got that great size. Yeah. To, He's he's six one, like two hundred pounds. So it's not like he's that big. He's slow off the line. 
He's slow when it comes to bursting. Yeah. He doesn't run that great of a route. So I'm not going to be taking him. I'll and, just I'll just be honest. And all you. honesty, had the Kansas City Chiefs been had they done a good job of drafting pass catchers since since uh, Tyreek Hill? Tyreek Hill was after Mahomes got there. Had they or before? before excuse me. He was yeah. before. Have they done a great job of drafting pass catchers since Patrick Mahomes has no. been there? Can you name one that's good? I, I can't. I think part of that is, though, Patrick Mahomes gets the ball to anybody, no matter what your name is and how good you are. And there's only a couple guys who are so much better than everybody else that are going to make a difference. And that's why I just don't think Rishi Rice is that much better than anyone else already on their team. I don't think he's I don't I don't think it was a great pick. I am not a fan of Rishi Rice. I'm not gonna be drafting him. I'm just gonna throw that out. Well I, I'm I'm not saying that I was obviously I had him in that clump, but it, okay, I'll give you a perfect example. You probably had a guy like, let's say looking down the list here Marvin Mims. Marvin Mims you probably had ahead of Rishi Rice, right? Yeah. Any chance that you're taking Mims over Rishi Rice now? Yes. Really? Well, we'll get to that in a minute. Why I wouldn't. Uh, but I'm kind of with you. And I, honestly, if Sky Moore had a just, if he had a work last year, I'd be. And then they made this pick. I think that I would be more on this 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 train. But I agree. I, I think Sky Moore may have prevented us from making some bad mistakes in the future. Yeah. Uh, so let's move on to the gentleman that we just talked about. Marvin Mims going with the last pick of the second round to the Denver Broncos. Uh, what you know, Oklahoma wide receiver Luigi. You've already kind of said you would take him over AC Rice. I disagree with that. Let's let's hear why you would take him over him. I just don't think Racy Rice is a good wide receiver. I just it's not yeah. necessarily about Marvin Mims. And even though Racy Rice is playing with Patrick Mahomes, he doesn't have really any techniques that I can say is even better than Marvin Mims. And I just think talent prevails. Yeah. I don't necessarily think he'll be able to see the field a whole lot with Cortland Sutton and, and Jerry Judy. And there's where I was going. But Cortland Sutton may not be on the team after 2023. Yeah. So I think Cortland Sutton with the rumors this offseason is a really good candidate to be traded at the deadline if the Broncos are still underperforming from where they were. And and, and this is going to be uh, – we're going to go away from the draft a little bit to, to talk, help explain why I have Martin Mims where I do after this. I think that Cortland Sutton is going to bounce back in a big way this year. I love Cortland Sutton. Yeah. I do. But I think he's – in his mind, he's thinking the Broncos – He's somewhere else already. The Broncos don't want me. Yeah. And then I'm pretty sure this is the last year of his contract. Yeah. So I don't think he'll be on the team next year. And you never know with wide receivers. He could just be so out of it mentally, Cortland Sutton. Marvin Mims may get more playing time than him. This is where when I had this Mims and Rice both in this glut, this funnel funnel of, of wide receivers, if I'm picking wide receivers out of the funnel now, I'm taking the guy who landed in Kansas City over the guy who landed in Denver. And I, I will be the first to admit, there may not be a person listening who bases their rookie draft decisions more on landing spot than me. It is my number one uh, – well, it's probably my number two determina- determination of where I rank guys. Uh, I, I, I do like their athletic profile quite a bit. 
uh, that's that's always something that we all look at that, let's be honest. But uh, I, I value Linda Vaughn, all the players in the second round. We touched on everybody there. We're going to try to speed this up a little bit, starting with the third round picks and so on and so forth. We're going to do some quick hits, one, one quick thought, maybe a quick rebuttal on each of these guys. We're not going to do everybody. We're going to pick, pick about 10 guys who we feel like is dynasty relevant. And uh, we're going to start off with you, Bryce, with Hinton Hooker. Gotcha. Uh, I think Jared Goff is going to still have to lose that job, but Hinton Hooker is a really good stash that's on a good offense uh, that you can take in a later round and have available going forward that could pay off big time later on. So I'm going to be talking about Kendra Miller. I think with all of the controversy surrounding um, Alvin Kamara, I think Kendra Miller very well could sneak into the first round of uh, rookie drafts because you don't know if Alvin Kamara is going to be on the field next year. And that guy is a monster. All right. So sticking with Tennessee guys, we got Jalen Hyatt. Uh, He was really, really uh, a downfield threat in college. I think with the Giants, you have to have somebody there. And I don't think there's too many guys that are going to be taking target shares away from them. So I think he's a great pick. Then right back to it, you got uh, Cedric Tillman, uh, big guy. I think the Browns could use somebody. Uh, Cross from Amari Cooper has a lot of potential to be that second guy there as well. Love that pick for the Browns. I do too. Uh, Moving on to the Colts taking Josh Downs. I hate this landing spot for Josh Downs. I was not a big fan of Anthony Richardson going into this, even though I did state that I think Steichen is the right guy for him. Pittman's already there. I think Pittman's value decreases. I think that Josh Downs, not only did he lose out in draft capital, he lost out in landing spots. I'm off of Josh Downs quite a bit. Not only is Pittman there, but so is Alec Pierce. And I think Alec Pierce is better than Josh Downs as well. I'm not sure I agree with that, but it's still more it's still more competition for targets, right? Um, so Tajay Spears uh, went to the Titans. Uh, with all the rumors of them potentially wanting to trade Derrick Henry, I think it's pretty clear that they're pretty well finished with Derrick Henry. Uh, maybe even after this year, but I don't think Tajay Spears is the right guy for that because that man does not have an ACL in one of his knees. Uh, moving on to Devin A. Chain with the Miami Dolphins. Uh, so this is one of the unsettled backfields in the NFL. And going into this draft, I didn't like his size. Nobody likes a, a chain size. or a, 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 How do you say it? A Shane. A Shane. Nobody likes a Shane size. But I think we all see that PPR potential from this guy. And I can't think of very many better landing spots where there's going to be opportunity. Love the dra- Don't love the draft capital. Third round is always kind of iffy. But it's not the fourth round. That's great for running backs. It's not the fourth round. Uh, A-Chain definitely moving up my board. Not to mention, he's fast. Very fast. He goes to a very fast team. Darnell Washington, I, I got to tell you, it was a sad, sad night for Dar- Darnell Washington, I think. I don't think that a lot of us knew about this knee injury, or at least didn't know that it was as bad as it was, but it obviously cost him draft position. But I got to tell you, I don't know how I feel about him from a dynasty standpoint, but from the Pittsburgh Steelers made a brilliant draft pick here in my decision. They don't need him to contribute right away because they have Pat Fryermuth. Who knows what happens with Fryermuth? year or two down the road. Maybe they don't re-sign him because they've got this guy waiting in the wing making a lot less money. I think the talent is still there. I think it's a great pickup for the, the Steelers. And what I will say, even though I think he's lost a lot of dynasty draft value, 
I'm going to love stashing this guy in the late third, early fourth of drafts. If he drops that far, if people are off of him because of prior moves, I'm going to own a lot of this guy's late third round, early fourth round stashes. So moving to the fourth round, the Chicago Bears took Krishan Johnson. And this may be a little bit controversial, but I do believe that he's going to be the, the starter in that backfield. And honestly, I very well may be taking this guy at the end of first round rookie drafts. The only thing that worries me is the draft capital because we know that fourth round running backs usually don't pan out. But you got to look. I said this could be quick hits, but I got to say something about this guy too. I, I, I kind of agree with you that I think this is a dark horse pick right here. And what we one thing we know about Roshan Johnson is he's been stuck behind Bijan for like the last two years and performed well doing it. We we don't really know what the Bears have gotten here. It could be actually could be a gold mine. Could be pretty special. Yeah. yeah. So the last of the quick hits, um, the New York Jets took Israel Abanaconda. I had really high hopes for this guy coming in to the draft. And I think this just absolutely torches his value, unfortunately. He's set behind Brees Hall, and obviously Brees Hall is just so much better than than him. I do think it's potential to be an Aaron Jones, uh, A.J. Dillon-type backfield, but I just don't see that happening. I, I think I think this was probably one of the worst landing spots possible for him. Real, real quick, I'm correct in saying that Michael Carter and James Robinson are still on that roster, right? James Carter, or sorry, James, James Robinson, Robinson is not, not there. Yeah, okay. He's actually on the Patriots. Yes, he is. Really? Yeah. Okay. But even at that point, I think Michael Carter has the leg up on this guy still. Yeah. Um, one last comment in the sixth round, my uh, my man. Kayshawn Boutte was drafted by my New England Patriots, and I just wanted to let you all know that jersey's on the way. And, you know, we joke with you a lot about Boutte since since the combine, but he's still a great third-round stash, let's be perfectly honest. If if he decides that he wants to play football. All right, to end up the show, let's, guys, let's do a quick first-round uh, mock draft here. Let's just rapid fire because we've already talked about these guys. Uh, no real explanation needed here, uh, just for fun. Uh, we're going to cons- consider this a what I would call a standard league anymore, 12-team, super flex, tight end premium. That's my new standard. That's what we're going to go with, and we're going to start with Bryce. Let's let's do this. All right, Bijan Robinson, the first pick. All right, pretty standard. I will go – CJ Stroud at 102. Okay. He wanted to be controversial, apparently, and I will gladly take Bryce Young with the 103. Bryce? Uh, with the 104, I'm still probably going Anthony Richardson. Okay. Makes sense. Back to you, Luigi. At 105, I will take Jameer Gibbs. I will slam JSN at the 106. And I, you know, real quick, in the middle of this mock draft, I really think this is what we're going to see pretty much for the whole draft, rookie draft cycle, some combination of these six guys will be the top top six picks. Uh, any disagreement there? No, not at all. All right. Let's go move on to you, Bryce, with the 107. I'm probably going to go with Quentin Johnson. Okay. Luigi. I will take Jordan Addison. Okay. This is easy for me. 
I'm going to slam Dalton Kincaid here. Yeah, I was very, very close to taking him instead of Addison. I actually think that this will be another tear break at the one right after the one hundred nine is another tear break for me. All right, I think I'm going to be taking Mayer. I will surprise everyone and take Roshan Johnson. Uh, I'm very undecided about what I would do in an actual draft setting here. Actually, I'm going to go Laporta. I'm, I'm I'm taking the tight end in the tight end premium league. So to recap, we've got the 101, Bijan Robinson, the 102, CJ Stroud, the 103, Bryce Young, the 104, Anthony Richardson, the 105, Jameer Gibbs, the 106, Jackson Smith and Jigba, the 107, Quentin Johnson. The 108, Jordan Addison. The 109, Dalton Kincaid. The 110, Michael Meyer. The 111, Sean Johnson. And the 112, Sam Laporta. All right. Does anybody have any closing thoughts before we wrap this up here? Go Patriots. (laughs) Uh, You know, public service announcement. Have fun this week, guys. We've got the rookie drafts coming up. I know it seems like every year in at least one of my leagues, there's some kind of controversy where someone's concerned about how long someone's taking a pick or someone's upset because uh, this guy responded to that guy's trade responses, but he didn't respond to mine. We all pay to play this game. Let people play the game the way that they want to play it. Uh, You know, we only get to do this once a year. Have fun. Uh, It's a great game. We all love it. Uh, With that being said, uh, that'll do it for the ninth episode of the Dynasty Dreamers podcast. Uh, I would like to say special thanks to my uh, special guest, my own son, Bryce Young. Young. (laughs) My son, Bryce Young. (laughs) You've been replaced. Uh, My own son, uh, Bryce Galloway. Uh, we will we will be cheering heavily for the young man that I just uh, just mentioned, Bryce Galloway. Year. Yeah, we will. <laughs> uh, for him and my co-host Luigi Federico, this has been Joe Galloway signing off.